Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 30 of the Paid to Be Me podcast. Podcast that empowers you to create a lifestyle and business that is authentic, fun, and highly profitable. My guest today is Casey Barron. Casey is a speech language pathologist turned entrepreneur. Casey became an entrepreneur after paying off over $74,000 in student loans in only 16 months and deciding that she then wanted the freedom that came with owning and running her own online business. Casey is passionate about helping others find financial freedom and run their own online businesses to create a lifestyle and career that they love. In this episode, Casey and I talk about bringing your full authentic self online, some big misconceptions about our relationship with money, and how to start paying off large amounts of debt quickly so that you can have more freedom in your life. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Casey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Hayden. I'm so excited to be here. Super excited to have you. What have you been up to? How are things? Things are great. I am juggling all the things I think as many entrepreneurs do. So I juggle a part-time speech language pathologist position at a private practice as a AAC specialist, which I'll go into what that is shortly. And I also run my own business part-time, moving into full-time, slowly but surely. And there I help speech-language pathologists learn more about augmentative alternative communication, which is AAC, and I also help them build their own businesses. And I'm slowly branching out into the wonderful world of business coaching and helping others do the same. So lots of things going on. So much. I uh, have been very much so looking forward to this interview when we got introduced. Um, the person who introduced us, Devin, who is also on the show, um, just had a, a bunch of really amazing things to say about you. And even in connecting with you earlier, I was like, oh my gosh, there's all these things that I want to talk to you about. So very excited uh, about this episode. Um, and I gave the folks uh, a bit of an intro to you in the beginning of this show, but I'd love to hear directly from you just a bit more about your story and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, so I'm a speech language pathologist by trade. I went to school for seven years. Uh, I just went to school an extra year longer. (laughs) Didn't know what I wanted to do. Switched majors, added on an extra year. And here I am as a speech language pathologist, which is much more difficult than I think anybody expects us to be because our technical term that many people know us by is speech therapist. However, mm-hmm. it's so much more than just speech that we do, which is often a um, not well-known outside in the public eye. So I actually found a passion within that field of augmentative alternative communication, working with children with autism and other significant disabilities. I enjoyed working with them with technology to give them a voice. So when I started to do that through technology, giving children who are non-speaking or who have very limited Mm -hmm. speech communicate through devices, I started Mm -hmm. to realize that, you know, not many other SLPs knew how to do this. They didn't get the training in school as I had, and they were just so lost. And so I just created a business out of the passion in my heart to help a group of people who were very underserved by not just speech language pathologists, but but in general in education and in the Mm -hmm. medical setting. So I, that's what really spurred my business on, as well as just finding myself, I'm made for more than just being a speech language pathologist. And I think a lot of people who become entrepreneurs feel that way, that something is missing, that they need to change jobs all the time. We go from job to job often, hoping to find a better fit. And (laughs) and it's it's frustrating because you're like, what, why am I not happy? Like, Everybody else is so happy. Everybody else seems so content in this job. I'm making good money. I can have any kind of position I want. I I went to school for forever. (laughs) Why is this not what I wanted? And so it's a really big wake-up call. I started to consider all different kinds of avenues, and I started talking to somebody who just said to me, Casey, I think you're an entrepreneur. I was like, Mm. 
I don't even know what that word completely means, <laughs> but okay, <laughs> I guess that's something I'm going to look into. Um, and so that's kind of how my AAC business started, just educating people mm -hmm. who um, I wanted to help so that people with disabilities could get the services that they need so desperately. It's brilliant. It's there's a couple of things I just love in in what you just shared because part of it, especially when it comes to starting a business, creating a business, part of it is having something that you're excited about and passionate about, like a problem that you really want to solve and are passionate about solving. Part of it is trusting that you have the capability and the power and resilience necessary to go out and create it. And then part of it is also like the spark, like what's the thing that actually has you say, Hey, I'm ready to go, you know, create this thing and do this thing. Um, and you know, it's just so funny. I, you were sharing about like, Hey, everyone else seems so happy. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, everyone else, I, here's what I think is everyone else is in the exact same position where they're like, this sucks. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is probably right. not what I want to, yeah, this is not what I want to be doing, you know, but it also takes some and I think it says something about you. And I think it says something about entrepreneurs who are willing to say, hey, this is what everyone else is doing, but it's actually not what I want anymore. And, and I, and I want to go out and I want to do something else. Um, and so I'm curious for you, like, was there like a moment or an experience that you had where you finally went, you know, hey, this thing that I, um, I don't know what it looks like yet, but I know I'm made for more and I'm ready to start to go out and explore it. For sure. I know that moment came to me shortly, like probably the next week after I paid off all my student loans. Mm -hmm. So I spent the first few years working as a professional, paying off all back all my student loans, which was about $80,000 when I graduated from my master's degree. And I was like, these are terrible. I do not like paying these. These payments are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, and I just had this drive to pay them off. However, I didn't really get there alone. I actually used um, Dave Ramsey as my teacher in all of this. And yeah. I started like being super aggressive, using the debt snowball, paying it all off, making huge $3,000 chunk, $3, chunk payments toward my debt every month. And that's really how I got it, uh, rid of it so quickly. So when that was done, because that's what drove me so long to work as hard as I did, I had like this goal in my mind, this financial, personal financial goal to pay all these off as quickly as I could so we could buy a house and do all the other things um, that I wanted to invest in. But once those were gone, it was like, well, why am I still going to work every day? <laughs> I, I, I felt free like for the yeah. first time. And I was really thinking like, okay, I've pretty much done it all. I've made as much money as I can as an SLP. That's what we call a speech language pathologist, by the way. I mm -hmm. did as much as I could because, and I made as much as I could because I had like maxed out every hourly um, check, you know, every hourly pay. I had, you know, multiple jobs and I was making still under six figures. And I was like, I'm working like 60 plus hours a week. Mm -hmm. I'm Still mm -hmm. under six figures. This is, and I'm just going to cut back because that's not sustainable um, to be, you know, have a balance, a work life balance. And I was like, oh, that's just not sustainable. And so I just felt very stuck. I just felt like, okay, so I've done, I've made as much money as I can in this location, at yeah. least in this kind of position, at least. There's no, for healthcare professionals, I know this is very relatable, there's really no ladder to climb. I've even climbed it, the small ladder that there is, which is director of rehabilitation in a skilled nursing facility or a hospital setting. I've been mm -hmm. that already. I, and I just felt like, oh man, I, I don't even like that job. So really, what am I going to do? There's nothing to work toward. And I think mm -hmm. as just my personality, it was like learning that about myself um, and setting my own goals, right? So I started just to set my own business types of goals. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. I know this is it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's so interesting. There's this quote about pain and vision and they say that pain pushes and vision pulls. And the cool thing about what you just shared is it sounds like part of it was this pain of realizing that the undercurrent circumstances, you weren't going to be able to create what it was you wanted to create. There just literally wasn't enough 
uh, income or potential to create income with how you were working and you know how you were currently generating revenue. Uh, and then there's also the vision of like, hey, you know, this could be so much different. This could be so much bigger um, if I started to put my time and attention and energy into these side things or these other things that I was doing um, versus like continuing on in you know the more typical full time path. Yeah. And through business, my vision grew, right? So my vision started super narrow. Like it was my business vision when I started. It was like, okay, I love augmentative alternative communication. There's a huge need. Like I can, I can be a solution. Um, and so that started and it wasn't hard. It, it really took off pretty quick because there is such a need. And I started making connections and my social media was growing and I was running these courses mm -hmm. and I was running free challenges and building my email list and everything seemed pretty, pretty steady. But then I started to realize, okay, so I just started to run out of steam. And at that point <laughs> I started to see, oh, I might need a business coach <laughs> mm -hmm. to help me move mm -hmm. the needle forward even further. Because I think we all get into a point where we get as an entrepreneur running, you're only accountable to you. You only have so many yeah. ideas. You know you even want to expand on what you've created. Um, and I'm, I will take action. I will do it. I will do the work. I'm kind of a workhorse in that way. So I knew that if I had somebody to hold me accountable, that I had somebody to give me some action steps, I could do it. And I, you know, I had to make large investments to get to a point where today I feel mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm finally getting closer and closer and closer every mm -hmm. month, every week into what this really could be. So that's always really exciting. And I think that investing in, you know, courses, coaches, all the things as an entrepreneur can really pay off. And yeah. it's just such a fun experience. You learn so much about yourself. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it's the work, a lot of the work that I do as a coach and even as a client, like I've, you know, I've been coached for the last two and a half years. And so I'm very clear on the, uh, the opportunity in working with someone when you sort of reach a plateau or you reach a ceiling of what you can do alone. Um, and I think, you know, for me, it's been so interesting to notice how one of, one of the main things that I've always struggled with is asking for help and getting help and not, you know, I, I have this tendency to want to do everything by myself. Um, you know, because of these uh, just deep-seated beliefs, these core beliefs that I have that I'm actively working to break up. Um, but I'd be curious for you, like, what have you noticed as like some of the main limiting beliefs that you've come up against and have, you know, worked to reinvent or rewrite as your business has grown? I think more the question is, what limiting beliefs do I not have and have to work through? Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it's just been like all the weird, like typical ones, right? I mean, we all have these, like, I'm not good enough. I do not know enough. I am not good enough to teach on this. I don't know enough to teach on this. Who the heck is going to pay me to do this? Who will even believe me? Do I need to do things I hate to do in order to make money? Um, you know, all the things when I started even wanting to start business coaching other healthcare professionals, other speech language pathologists and other entrepreneurs, that was a whole mm -hmm. mindset shift I had to make that, you know what, I've invested in myself. I had to learn how to grow my business. I can help somebody else do the same. Mm -hmm. And all you have to be is one step ahead, one mm -hmm. step ahead of the people you're teaching, one step ahead of the people you're coaching, one step ahead of the person you're helping. And then you have, and you will find the stuff, you will be resourceful, <laughs> You will learn what you have to learn and you will learn along the mm -hmm. way and you will make mistakes and you just got to keep going. I mean, mm -hmm. there's really, you, you just never fail if you never quit. So mm -hmm. once mm -hmm. I started to realize that, I feel like, mm -hmm. oh, I just won't fail. I just, like, I can't. I mean, I guess mm -hmm. if I were to die tomorrow, like that would stop it. But I think other than that, it wouldn't stop. So <laughs> I yeah. think it's just become a part of who I am that... Mm -hmm. And I, it was always there, but I just didn't let it, I didn't even know it was there for the longest time. And that's what a lot of limiting beliefs are like, even the bad mm -hmm. things, right? Are like, they're always there. We just didn't know they were there because we can't see what we can't see until mm -hmm. entrepreneurship or something else brings that out in us. And we're like, oh, totally. didn't know yeah. I had that problem. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. I think that's the funny thing about the coaching space too. You know, not only as a coach, are you asked to do your own internal work so as to better serve your clients, but also when you're building your own business, it's inevitable. You're going to have to come up against those things. Um, You know, it's so funny. Sometimes I uh, share this uh, quip about in entrepreneurship. Yes, part of it is learning how to sell more strategically and how to market your business. And, you know, really the thing that takes you to the next level is actually more about like, what was that thing that happened to you when you were six? Yes. <laughs> and how does that, how's that impacting the way that you're relating to yourself and your business now? Um, and in so many ways, you know, entrepreneurship is like the ultimate personal development crucible if you're willing to hold on and if you're, you're unwilling to stop. Yeah, I think for so many entrepreneurs, um, you know, some people call it different things. Like some people call it faith. Some people call it spirituality. Some people call it mindset. Some people call it, we all call it and think of it as in different ways. But so often as entrepreneurs, we really start to rely more and like delve deeper into those things than we ever did before. At least for me, that was my experience, I should say. Mm. Um, And it was so interesting because as soon as I started to work on this business, this dream that I didn't really fully understand um, at the time, I started to join different groups, like a spiritual center. I joined, you know, I started to create different things that started to uplift my own beliefs in myself and started to surround myself with people who uplifted me and create things that I never thought I would ever be a part of. So I just think it's so fascinating that on this journey, you know, it all looks different, but we all tend to have a pattern of okay, I really, some people will say, I really started to rely more, you know, in meditation. I started to do so much more affirmations. I started to seek counseling because I realized I was having these, you know, blocks that we all start to realize that we're we're our own worst enemy when it comes to business, but are also our best shot at success. So it's just Mm -hmm. learning what's your, how can, what's your path and like, what's your passion and going with that, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious for you to, you know, you mentioned that over the last couple of years, you've hired some coaches, you've seen your business shift. Like what are the biggest things that you've seen shift in your business over the last three years? Oh man, I would say just my, well, personally, definitely a lot of things like confidence in myself, I would say, and just my knowledge base has shifted my business a lot. So I would say my knowledge base in marketing is probably one of the biggest things that has shifted my business. And then my knowledge base in myself and what I really enjoy to teach people. So, you know, the skills and learning about yourself, I think probably develop at the same time simultaneously as you move along and you're like, Oh, I really love, you know, business. And then I started to realize Mm -hmm. that a lot of people didn't like business. Like a lot of speech language Mm -hmm. pathologists wanted to start private practices, which I helped them with, with, you know, in coaching and in um, courses, but they didn't really like the organic marketing strategies or Mm -hmm. the, how do you do like legal things? Like, do you form an LLC or are you a sole proprietor? And I just like love that stuff. And then the money stuff too. They're like, I don't like this money stuff. I'm like, I love money stuff. I I paid off so much debt. So I just started to learn like, okay, what do people need? And then how can I be that for them? Do you know what I mean? In a way that feels good to me and authentic to me. But what do people need? Totally. Yeah, I think that's the cool part. Thanks for sharing that. And there's also a huge component, I think, of this show. Um, Like when I think about what I want to create in the scope of this podcast and also what I want to create out in the world, it's providing people an opportunity to see themselves um, inside of an entrepreneur who's doing something that lights them up. And to your point, what I, what I heard and what you shared was alignment, like this sense of how do you take who you are as a person, align it with what you enjoy doing out in the world. You align it with the person that needs that kind of activity or that kind of service and you're solving a very necessary problem. And it 
it just becomes this really cool um, experience and process of once you start to figure that thing out, it just, everything starts to take off. Everything starts to click. It just starts to get, you know, easier and easier and easier. Um, and at the same time, it doesn't happen all at once. Like this process doesn't have to, but <laughs> I find um, it takes years. It can take years to get to the place where you actually feel like you're in a position um, to understand, hey, I know that what I'm doing has a uh, foreseeable future. I'm, I'm solving this problem that I really care about and I'm serving this population um, that is, you know, really important to me and, you know, holds a, holds a place in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me too, it's, it's always evolving that, um, as a (laughs) self-proclaimed empath and intuitive person, I have, you know, have been wondering recently, like my next shift is like, okay, how can I use that to serve my clients? How can I wrap this into what I've created? Because that's authentically me and who I am. So how can I use, you know, that to help my clients? Well, because it's helped me, mm-hmm. you know, without mm-hmm. the mindset, with shifts, without the the spirituality side of, of what yeah. I had to do behind the scenes, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. So it's all about, okay, how can I use that to help people? That's my next venture. Mm-hmm. And I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see what that looks like, um, mm-hmm. especially with business coaching and speech language pathology. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, yeah. I've just kind of learned that I don't fit, and I think every entrepreneur feels this way. There's no box that we really fit in that we have to create our own non-box, I guess, the unbox. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I want to call it, but it's like I don't fit in a mold that exists. So let me just create something that has never been around before and see Mm -hmm. if it's in need and see if it serves people. Because I think at the root Mm -hmm. of your business, as long as you're serving and helping people, then you're on the right path for sure. Yeah, I think it's, I just want to double down on what you just shared because I think that's so brilliant. It's this idea of how do you create your own path um, and how do you trailblaze? Because I think that part of the reason why people stay stuck and plateau in their business is because they're trying to do things like everyone else is doing things. And there's a level of that that's required because there is, you know, in terms of skills and skill sets, as far as how do you market your business? How do you manage your financials? How do you sell effectively? There are certain things that you do need to be able to understand from a mastery perspective. And at the same time, if you are trying to create your business in the same way that everyone else is, it's just going to get lost in the noise. Um, I think about it almost like, you know, you walk into a food court and everyone's selling oatmeal because oatmeal is safe and it's, and it's bland and it's not going to, you know, make anybody, um, you know, upset. But at the same time, it's like, how do you stand out if you're one among thousands of uh, oatmeal vendors. And so it does require you to actually get clear on how do I create my own thing, break out of that box. And that is a process that I think requires constant reinvention and a constant commitment to being courageous and, and taking risks. Yeah, for sure. And I want my um, fast food joint in the, in your, in your analogy to be a cinnamon yes. roll. <laughs> like that's no, what I want to be. I want to be a cinnamon roll. I love cinnamon rolls and I'd be really happy with that. I, and yes. against all that oatmeal. And the first thing I, I thought when you said oatmeal, which is so true is like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bingo. <laughs> I got it before you even said it. I was like, Oh, it's boring. Yeah. Oh man. Exactly. Um, yeah. Don't be oatmeal. Don't be, be a cinnamon roll. That's going to be my, yeah. <laughs> my mantra. But yeah, I think, you know, learning who you are and learning what sparks you and learning what created you and how that influenced Mm -hmm. your business. And then Mm -hmm. has that helped your business? I'm thinking, yes, probably has. And then can you find people who are having the challenges you had a few months ago and Mm -hmm. help that, you know, you're, every time we evolve, we're able to help more and more people. So Mm -hmm. it's just an interesting fact of entrepreneurship. I think because our skills get better, our own knowledge grows, we're learning with our clients. Like my clients teach me things all the time. It's fascinating. I mean, I help programmers. I help people who build AAC devices for people with disabilities. And I never knew that that would be something I would do, you know, Mm -hmm. two to three years ago. I would never know. I'm like, Mm -hmm. me help somebody design an app for the population I love to work with? Like, really? So that's pretty cool when you think about it. (laughs) 
um, one of the things you, you know, mentioned and one of the things that we've been talking about is you getting clear on what's your unique approach to your business or how do you, you know, how do you break out of this box? Um, and I'd be curious for you, like, how do you continue to bring authentic components of your story, of your personality, of your psyche into the services that you work with people on and like your, just your business overall? I love that question. And it's super relevant. I think for me is that I am just literally myself in everything I do. So from my content on Instagram and on Facebook, it's very much me. Live video is really a great feature because it's really hard to BS in video and also in my emails. And that's actually been really hard for me. I don't know if you have this experience too, Hayden, where it's like for your own voice to be delivered in an email is something I had to unlearn years and years of schooling to really Mm -hmm. start to master. And I feel like it's because we've been taught for so long. I'm actually a published research author as well. Mm -hmm. So I -hmm. had to write like a thesis and papers a certain way in a certain format for so long in a certain language that would be received by these medical journals and these, you know, these science journals. And So after years of that, trying to go into Casey, just be yourself is Mm -hmm. hilarious. And I'll tell you a funny Mm -hmm. story because this cracked me up. So my student, I actually, it's, I help speech language pathology graduate students and clinical fellows, which is their first year Mm -hmm. out of the program. So they graduated, but they need a mentor for a year, approximately nine to 12 months for, um, to get their final licensure. So I take a lot of people like that and Mm -hmm because I just like to give back and teach in all different areas of my life. And so those students are like, Casey, I love your emails. And I'm like, wait, you're on my email list. They're like, yeah, I love your emails. It's like such good stories and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Because I've been working so hard behind the scenes right on these things. And then I was like, mom, you know, I love to talk to my mom. So my mom is like my biggest cheerleader. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, mom, like you wouldn't believe my students like love my emails. Like I've been working so hard. And my mom's like, well, it's just you. She's like, what, what's so great about it? She's like, it's just who you are. Like, maybe they don't realize that that's what you're like, Casey. And I'm like, uh, I guess you're onto something. They thanks, just, mom. so as soon as, right? It's like a compliment, but also like, oh, that's just so funny that she just thought it was so funny that they thought they were good. I guess, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, so, mm-hmm. cause she's getting the same email. I'm like, mom, wait, you're on my emails too? She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that all was to say that I think it's pretty good if your mom can read your emails and it's like, yep, that's, that's my daughter. That's my son. Like, I guess that's a good test. We can all put our businesses through. <laughs> yeah. You're like nothing to see here. Yeah. If your parents aren't that impressed, it means that you're doing a great job. <laughs> or um, if they're just like, that's just you. So great job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I'm like, that's what but, uh, sells though. Uh, like that's what sells, right? That's mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. success. That's what makes a business successful is when people are just like, you're a regular person you're not some big foo-foo company. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. companies that take that strategy start to be uber successful and their advertising becomes super successful. You know, you think of commercials that make you cry you know it's like all about the story and you know the puppy Mm -hmm. or the person coming home from a war and the dog's greeting like it's you know it's all those kinds of stories that touch us and so if the more storytelling and the more real things I put into my own content Mm -hmm. the better it seems to be received Totally. Yeah. I, um, I started working with a brand marketer recently, shout out Rich Keller. Uh, and he, uh, gave me some feedback on a, on this program that I'm designing and he read it and basically was like, this is really boring. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Rich. It's actually really great feedback because what I realized was it was very, it's very sterile the way that I was writing it. It was very, um, it felt very formal and it felt very professional. And so, you know, to your point on how we've been trained to write things. It's so funny how that ends up getting in the way of actually creating those stories that connect with people. Cause that's ultimately what it is. You know what, if I have someone on my email list, I want them to feel like I'm speaking directly to them. Like they're not just on my email list. They're not just another person.
person on my email list. I'm writing this email specifically to them. And so it's been this process of unlearning what I think I'm supposed to do in an email or in a video or in a post. And the more that I just sit down and and just like, I don't care. I'm just going to write this email in one fell swoop. Those usually end up being the emails that resonate most with people versus me sitting down saying, well, how exactly am I going to write this whole thing out? And you know, how is it going to go? Um, and it just feels good too. It feels less performative and it feels a lot more authentic. Yeah. It's, it's just so funny how that all works. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the more we show up as our brands, the better our business does. So yeah. I'm like, there's no downside to this. Mm-hmm. So if you like, you know, weird things, let it show, man. That's all I got to say. Like if you really like Star Trek or Star Wars, that's not that weird, but you know, I'm just giving you an example. It's like, let Mm -hmm. people know, like you're a huge fan. Um, Mm -hmm. for me, it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with my two dogs. So everybody knows them. I love to exercise. Everybody knows that. Like, you know what I mean? It's just Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. part of my brand in a way of, just so they know Casey Barron. That's what she likes. Mm-hmm. And that's what she, who she mm-hmm. is. And she's kind of weird and outspoken and likes to uh, call people out sometimes. <laughs> Not call out yes. culture, let's be clear, but calling mm-hmm. out things that I find are maybe don't sit well with me. Like I said, mm-hmm. you know, with people not having access to communication is usually what I'm calling out. <laughs> mm, yeah. So things yeah. are important to me. Yeah. Totally. The, um, I think the other part of this conversation too, in terms of, you know, authenticity and building an authentic business is also taking a look at like how you're structuring your business for you. Um, and I'd be curious, you know, as you're looking at working with people, designing offerings, like really building your business for the future, how does lifestyle for you play into the vision of what you want to create? Lifestyle. Hmm. I mean, the lifestyle I want to create is a free one, right? So I think like what entrepreneurs really crave is freedom, freedom from having to be at a place at a certain time, having to do certain things that don't resonate with them, having to Mm -hmm. um, show up at a cubicle every day for, for a nine to five job. I think that for me, the lifestyle I desire is one of freedom, being able to, to work when I want to work on what I want to work on and then create the things that light me up. So as long as I'm moving in that direction, I feel like I'm going (laughs) the right way. And I get closer Mm -hmm. and closer to that. The more I move Mm -hmm. along that path, I think Mm -hmm. for me, I, I don't have a specific, um, money amount in mind. I don't have a specific, house in mind or location that I need to live in in mind. I just have this feeling that I'm always working Mm. towards. And I like to Mm. think I'm manifesting that. (laughs) So the more we can feel into what we are, what we are looking forward to, what we are creating, the more that we are able to manifest those things. So, yeah. I actually think that's so brilliant too. It's a big piece of the work that I do with people. A lot of the people that come and start conversations with me around coaching, they're feeling stuck in their business or they're feeling stuck in their job rather. They're feeling stuck in corporate. And the conversation normally starts out as a, well, I don't know what job I want to do. I don't know what industry I want to be in. I don't know what role I want to go into. And it's like, let's actually take a step back and take a look at what's the experience of work that you want to create? How do you want to relate to your job? How do you want to relate to yourself? Because ultimately, that's the thing that everyone cares about. There's a million, billion ways to make six figures, to make millions of dollars a year. Um, but if you're not clear on the experience that you want in making that money, what ends up happening is you start chasing all of these avenues that, are, that, that continue to have you feel stuck and feel unfulfilled and feel empty. Um, so I actually really love that. Like, hey, let's start with the feeling and start with the experience first and then start to look at what are the structures, what are the avenues, what are the services I can offer in order to support this feeling that I want to create. Yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. I, I love helping people to that too. I think so often we think, well, I don't, the first feeling we probably experience is I'm unhappy and I don't know why I would guess. And you're the, you're more the coach in this area than me, Hayden. So feel free to, to jump it. But I, that was my experience was, okay, I'm unhappy and I don't know why. And then mm-hmm. it goes to maybe it's this specific job <laughs> or my specific career. 
-hmm. but it's not necessarily that. It's just the feeling of not reaching your full, like what you have to offer the world. And so Mm -hmm. if you can like feel into that discomfort, right? And that's what people so often are avoiding and they're avoiding feeling the pain. So they numb the pain with whatever they would like, whether that's like, well, I'm only going to go to work and I'm going to tell myself like, once I get home, I'm going to turn off the phone. Like I'm going to separate my work life and my, you know, my life. They, you know, that those people that are like, I'll just, I'm just going to work at work and then it's just for a paycheck. And then I'm going to go home and pretend it never happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm going to enjoy my weekend and then it starts all over again and they get the Sunday scaries and they're like, crap, I don't want to go. I think that that is yeah. a, a common experience, but what mm. if people stopped doing that and sat mm. with the feeling of, wow, this isn't what I want to be doing. Well, what is it that mm-hmm. I want to do and starting to process those feelings and why haven't you switched or changed or done something different? Well, so often we're like, I'm scared. I don't want to, I'm scared of being rejected. I'm scared people will think Mm -hmm. my idea is dumb. I'm scared that I'll fail. I'm scared that my husband or wife will be upset with me for wanting to leave my secure job. Well, guess what, you guys? (laughs) Your secure job is not as secure. It's not secure. It's an illusion that it's secure. Yeah. I mean, it's especially in these times, unfortunately, I know my family has experienced this extremely personally as far as, you know, COVID-19, which we're in the middle of a pandemic still by the time of this recording. And it's like, you know, a lot of people are losing corporate jobs. They're losing Mm -hmm. their, um, they thought what they thought were stable sources of income. And it's like, well, it's not, it's not any less risky than doing your own business. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I'm like over here, like snaps for literally everything that you just said. Um, a couple things. One was you, you were sharing about, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, segment my life and, you know, I'll work when I work and I'll come home and do whatever. And to me, I'm like, you're living for like two hours a day. Like that's basically what it is. It's like your whole life is in, you know, two hours a day and maybe a couple more on the weekend. Um, and at least for me, you know, I'm like, that's not enough for me. <laughs> that's not, you know, if, if I'm going to be here for hopefully 90 something years, <clears throat> um, I want to get as much, I want to suck as much life out of this as, as humanly possible. Um, and I think you're spot on with, with the fear piece. And it becomes this question of willingness. It becomes this question of, are you willing to do something different? Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to get uncomfortable and messy and trust yourself in the process of creating something different? Because otherwise, you just end up sitting in this dull pain of feeling stuck and unfulfilled, um, and you just get more and more of the same. Yeah, and I think, like you said, everybody probably experiences this at some level if they're in a, a position that they really don't, and you know, if there's levels that they don't enjoy in their own, in their position that they currently have. Mm-hmm. And so many of us think it's normal, as it is part of, I think, American culture. <laughs> I can't speak to other countries. I haven't lived in a country outside the U.S. yet, but I can speak to American culture that it is kind of normalized to have those feelings and it's seen as a rite of passage or as that's the way life is. Well, it doesn't have to be. Like you said, we only have so many years. I mean, I work in skilled nursing facilities, which is another fancy term for nursing home. So Mm -hmm. I get to see people at the end of their lives and talk to them about their life and So often, you know, it's, I'll meet a few people who are really proud of their careers, like really, really Mm -hmm. proud. And they'll talk to me about it and what they did for a living and how much fun it was. And I'm like, that's what I want. I want a life Mm -hmm. where I'm like 90 something years old. And I'm like, I had the best time working. And you know what, Hayden, I, I am not even kidding you, but 95% of them are entrepreneurs or owned a business or ran a business of some kind. The ones who are like that, they're always the business people. And they just like talk about their business. They haven't even worked in their business for 30 years. And they're just like, yeah, I used to do this. I met this person. I traveled the world. I'm like, nice. that sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I don't find that a lot. Like 
not many people. And unfortunately with that generation, most of them are men. A lot of women Mm. in that generation, right. Didn't even get to go to work or have opportunities Mm. to have Mm. employment. So it's really interesting to see that, that dynamic. And so women entrepreneurs are probably facing even more fear, more uncertainty because think of the examples we have had, right? We haven't had as many female CEOs, entrepreneurs to be like, look and see how it's done. But we're getting more and more and I love, I love them for it. So I Mm -hmm. listen to female entrepreneurs. They're the ones that inspired me. And it's like, I saw myself in them. And so I hope Mm -hmm. that this podcast interview, if anything, if there's a woman out there and she's like, I don't know, I'm like, if you see yourself in this conversation, then take it as a side. (laughs) Do it. Yes, I love that. Um, And, you know, on that point of uh, fear and the things that tend to get in the way for people, I know one of the things that stops people from going out and exploring entrepreneurship, uh, you know, a lot of times is debt is student loans, is, you know, medical loans, is, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, one of the things I was really excited to talk with you about was your experience of paying off this, you know, massive amount of debt in a relatively, you know, short period of time. Um, So I'd actually love to just get from you, like, when, where did that process kind of start? Like, when did you kind of come to this realization of like, hey, you know, this is going to be done in the next 16 months? Like, how did that whole thing kick off for you? Oh man. Yeah. It's a good story. It was actually on the Dave Ramsey podcast too. So if you listen to that episode, you'll know a little bit of the story too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so fun. I got to go to Nashville and meet him. It was great. I, um, so it all kind of started with graduating and dating my now husband. He was like, uh, he didn't have student loans. So he's like, Casey has all these student loans. Like, I don't know about these things. And he would kind of talk (laughs) to me about it. I'd be like, everybody has debt. Leave me alone. And, but it's, you know, the conversation stuck with me and I also didn't like them. So I was like, okay, maybe I can try paying off them faster. You know, I'll just pay them off mm-hmm. faster. Well, then he was gifted the total money makeover, which is Dave Ramsey's book in um, it, Hurricane Irma hit Florida. Mm. And I just mentioned this because we had this book on the bookshelf, Hurricane Irma hits, we're out of power. I have no phone, no laptop nothing. So I'm like, okay, like, what do I do? <laughs> I'll guess I'll read. So I'm like, okay, who's this Dave Ramsey guy anyways? I, I don't know about him. I'll just read his book and see if I agree or disagree or whatnot with his theory mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and then started my journey. So I read this book in 24 hours <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. And I thought, and it's kind of like almost starting a business because you get like this fear in the pit of your stomach. Like, People are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to think I'm nuts. And because I'm going to say no to like vacations for a while. I'm going to say no to going out to eat. And these were all things Mm -hmm. I was doing. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to have to make some lifestyle changes here fast and quick. And they're going to be drastic. And so I had to tell, you know, my fiance at the time that I was going to be doing this. I had to tell my parents, you know, my whole family, you know, I'm going to be paying off my student debt using this crazy system. And it's like Mm -hmm. super dramatic and it'll be like a few years maybe that I'm doing it. Um, And so having that first conversation, but you know, I was so surprised. It was just the same thing with my business. You know, people were like, Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. And then what else happens is everybody else wants to join you. So they start seeing you be having success. They're like, oh, I want to pay off debt too. I'm like, come join me. So by the end of this, we're teaching Financial Peace University. We're like, me and my husband are like the little poster children of this program. And we Mm -hmm. actually did start like a Facebook group called Millennial Millionaires in the Making to help other millennials pay off their debt as well. So Mm. we have that as well. We love helping Mm -hmm. other millennial couples and millennial single people pay off their student debt and, and move out of that, that um, huge weight on your shoulders. It's just awful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And having no debt, you're able to really look at what do you love? You know, now you've got, you know, as long almost unlimited possibilities and it can really catapult your business. And it's the same like personal development skills that you need. So when you're, when you're hard, like Mm -hmm. holding yourself accountable, or maybe Mm -hmm. you have somebody accountability partner, just like you would with a business coach in a business, you just have somebody being like, okay, we can do this. You're almost there. Like you're almost at the end thing with debt is you do have an end. The thing with business Mm -hmm. is there probably is no end, (laughs) Mm, but And that's a good thing. You know, both of those Mm -hmm. things are good, That it's good that the dead ends and it's good that the business doesn't ever have to. So 
Totally. And in this, like in the process of paying that debt off, I'd be curious, like what are, like what were some of the biggest things that you learned about yourself in that process? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think for me, I didn't realize how much materialism is ingrained in our world mm-hmm. in America. So, mm-hmm. um, it's a, you know, you looked at, I used to look at people with big houses and nice cars and who are buying, you know, expensive vacation packages and be like jealous or envious and think, Oh, like they're so lucky. They have so much money. They can get all these things. And then I started to realize, Oh, these people don't have anybody. <laughs> Maybe they do, but yeah. there's a really big chance, like a very large chance that they're using credit cards and loans to get all these things. And that's the exact stuff I wanted mm-hmm. to avoid. And so mm-hmm. I started to realize that I was kind of lying to myself that, you know, to think that I could have all these things and it would help me. Like so mm-hmm. often we purchase things that hurt us because we think that the material is worth the the sacrifice of our mm-hmm. money and our time and our energy. Mm-hmm. But usually mm-hmm. it's not. I'd rather drive my little Prius that I have now than a big SUV that I have to make payments on because then now I can run a business and I have time to do that because I could step away from my full-time job and start a business. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I could start yep. paying myself. I didn't have to make as much money anymore but I will make more money in the long run doing my business. But in that beginning phase, there's a lot of sacrifice and investing in yourself and you're not seeing a return Mm -hmm. right away all the time. So, because there's so much learning that needs to happen quickly. And I think that, you know, I finally got to the point where I'm like, I just made more money in my business than I did at my job. I just made more Mm -hmm. money in my business than I did as a speech language pathologist. And my mind Mm kind of was blown because like I said, it's not a bad job being a speech language pathologist. Yeah. You know, it's not bad. And, um, you know, it's not bad at money, I should say. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a rewarding job too and career for you SLPs listening. I do hear you. And I do love parts of our field. Don't worry. And I'm just thinking like, whoa, I, yeah, but it took me time yeah. to get to that place. And it took yeah. faith in myself and taking risks. Totally. So. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's so interesting. I've been going through a similar conversation with myself around money and, and learning a lot more about it. And I think to your point, it's almost like if you're unclear on your money situation, what's coming in, what's going out, the processes and dynamics of what it means to be financially competent and responsible, I think it's difficult to understand the impact that it can have from an experience and freedom perspective. Like it's almost like if you don't understand how the system works, you don't get that, you know, making the quote unquote sacrifice here or not spending this or being more responsible is actually worth it because in the end it means that you have more freedom. You get to walk away from a job. You don't have to work as much because, you know, you have what you need. Um, But there's a lot of, uh, you know, learning. And um, I think that there's like a, there's a responsibility uh, in it as well to actually, you know, understand what's happening and become more aware of what's happening. Yeah, for sure. And the universe does weird things when you start to manage your money, like weird things. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. weird stuff would happen for us. Like we ended up with a car that we didn't even pay for while we were getting rid of debt. We ended up with money for a wedding that we didn't know we would have. We, we got so many gifts and so many things we weren't dependent on. And it, I, I really mm-hmm. think it's like when you start paying attention, people mm-hmm. notice for one. So if you don't believe mm-hmm. in, you know, manifestation or universe, still people will notice that you're good with money yeah. and they're going to be like, Oh, you know, I want to help them. They're on the right path. I want to help them. Mm-hmm. They're responsible. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, especially those older generations, because I think millennials have a bad rap with so much Mm -hmm. that if, when they see, when they see like millennials doing weird things, they're like, Oh, that's kind of different. Um, which is (laughs) good. You want to be different. Okay. So, um, but I think, yeah, it's just realizing like the more you manage your own money and the more you're budgeting, the more you're, you're keeping track, you're able to really see your accomplishments, which will keep you going. And you're really able to see, where you can start to cut back, where you can start to get more freedom back to yourself and 
I think there's no trade-off. I would much rather be happy mm. and have a sense of freedom and fulfillment than mm. be enslaved to paying payments every month or to, you know, feeling guilty about that vacation I took or feeling yeah. bad about something that I, and that's not to say that some investments aren't good. I do mm-hmm. think that investments can be good, but we have to be, you know, smart about which investments we take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, this is a bit of a broader question, but you know, one of the things that I'm looking at reinventing for myself and that I imagine a lot of the people listening are also interested in is your, like the relationship that we have to money. Um, mm. And I'd be curious, like outside of the strategy or the tactics, like how has your relationship with money changed, um, you know, over time? Oh yeah, a lot. I think we all grow up or most of us grow up unless we grew up in very wealthy families, which I know the majority of us probably didn't. Um, We all grow up thinking that money comes from work, that money comes from hard work, that money is um, maybe scarce. Maybe there's not enough. There isn't enough that, you know, when somebody loses a job, it's a really bad thing. Um, you know, these feelings, right, what we get when we're little kids, just like you mentioned, like the six-year-old self influencing the entrepreneur self, it's the same thing with money. Uh, mm-hmm. The child will influence the adult. So if you grew up in situations where money was seen as hard to come by or difficult to acquire, then that's going to affect your relationship with money as an entrepreneur. And so you're going to start associating, and I'm guilty of this, and I think most of us are, of associating hard work and um, like clients or like ticket items or offers in relationship to the money that we have in our bank account. But in fact, you know, the universe is really what gives us all the money and it can come from a multitude of sources. It doesn't have to come Mm -hmm. from your business. It doesn't have to come just from your hard work. And there is no relationship between hard work and the amount of money you make. So think about people who work super hard, who work in jobs that are so challenging and laborious, labor intensive, and they're, you know, working three jobs, they're going, you know, they're waiting tables, they're doing this, they're going to the, all the jobs are so hard, but then they don't have, you know, there's no equation that says, well, you worked this hard, so you get this much money, you know, Mm -hmm. that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But we have Mm -hmm. this idea from a young age that how hard we work is how much money we earn, which is not true. So it's just not, you can be a multimillionaire and make more money in an hour than some people do in their entire lives because of the investments they have. Right. So, and that's passive income to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have to get rid of the idea that hard work equals money that actually, you know, having the right mindset around money and having some responsibility in ourselves and like our feelings about money and challenging ourselves and why we feel money is scarce and learning to unlearn those things is really what moves the needle for me and my business and a lot of other people I've met. Totally. And it's so interesting because I think that that notion of hard work equals money, this very one-to-one relationship is a very puritanical, very deeply rooted story that all of us grow up inside of. And so it's actually a, I think a very, it's a very difficult story to break up. And I notice, I even notice for myself where I still get the, well, yeah, but is it really though? You know, like that, like those, those moments of like, yeah, but like, is it really though? Um, but I think that's the funny thing about this path and this entrepreneurial journey is you just start to realize more and more of the stuff that seems woo-woo or seems out there or seems a little bit like, is that really what it is? Like the counterintuitive stuff is the stuff that actually works. And it's less about directly understanding how it works and more so integrating it. Uh, mm-hmm. And more so feeling it, more so living from that place. Um, yeah. But I think that's really, I think that's super duper important. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we also have this notion that like only bad people have money, right? So we mm-hmm. have these characters that we saw on TV or movies growing up and usually the bad guy is some rich, really rich white guy, old white guy usually or something mm-hmm. like that. And we're like, oh, money is is bad. It makes people bad. It's greedy. You're greedy if you want money. When money is just a material, just like anything else, it doesn't make anybody good or bad. It's really 
just makes people more of what they already are. So the more money you give somebody, the more they are going to be who they are. They just always were that. So, I mean, I'm not going to name names, but I have a few people in mind that I know that's true for. And I think that, you know, for me, I know I'm a good person. So I will do good with money, right? I will give to charities. I give to others. I love to give services and money. We actually create in our budgets, you know, 10% of what comes into our home goes to um, some kind of charity organization. Mm. So we just have that as part of our routine. And that just always reminds mm. me of, wow, like we have, we are able to give and you can, anybody can give. And I always say, if you can't give your first like a hundred dollars, you're never going to be able to give your first million dollars. So mm. start now, <laughs> yeah. like whatever you're making, like start now and know that that's enough. And it'll just become a habit. And I think so much of mm -hmm. why a lot of us want to become wealthy is so we can serve others in our family and in our friends and in the world. So mm -hmm. just be one of the good yeah. people with money. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We I need more that. of those. And I think that's <laughs> so important what you shared around, you know, it's not about, Hey, when I get to a particular uh, income level, then I'll start doing the things I'm going to start, you know, doing the things now. Um, and, you know, for the people who are listening, who might be in a position where they're struggling to pay off a large amount of debt, um, maybe they have started a business and they have a lot of debt that they're struggling with, or they're incorporated and they're looking to leave and start a business, but they've got debt. Um, like what sorts of things would you share with them as far as things to start to notice, things to keep in mind, like places to get started on that journey? Yeah, I just think that starting to become aware of like, like I said, like feel the things, like start to like understand your emotions and start to like, instead of avoiding the budget, instead of avoiding the conversations with your spouse, instead of avoiding all the things that could actually help you and serve you, just, you know, be okay with feeling bad about it. Be okay with feeling sad about it. Because I think that's a lot of the emotions we're avoiding with money. It's like sadness, despair, hopelessness, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. depression. Um, so I think we all feel those things at certain points if we've ever, any of us have ever been in a large amount of debt. And I think that, you know, there is a way out of it, but the way out of it is to address that it exists and to know that there is hope that you can pay it off. That if I can pay it off in 16 months, you can pay it off too. And it's just about having that determination and a plan, having a plan, having an accountability partner. And I don't mind yeah. what your plan is. You know what I mean? I, if you want, if your goal is to do a certain thing outside of Dave Ramsey's plan, great, like go do that. But I think that just having a plan, having accountability in some way mm -hmm. and just moving forward and getting out of that hopelessness state mm -hmm. of thinking, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can do this. If Casey can do this, I can do this. Right. <laughs> then. Um, yeah, that's just what it was for me. Thanks for that. Yeah, I hear really directly facing the emotions head on, especially the not so fun ones. Yeah. Having a plan, being clear about, hey, how's this going to go on? How am I going to tackle this? And then creating accountability to actually do the things in the plan and move towards um, no longer having debt. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best life. Gotta say. Yeah, love that. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Well, Casey, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for sharing, being so open. Um, where can folks find you online? All right. So you can find me on Instagram. I am Casey Barron SLP, and I'll spell my name because it's an unusual spelling. It's K A C Y B A R R O N. SLP. That's me on Instagram. And then on Facebook, I'm Casey Barron, AAC specialist. And then you can also find me through email. If you have any questions or if anybody wants to reach out an email, my email is kacyb at caseybarron.com. Awesome. I uh, will put all that info in the show notes as well. Uh, and Casey, do you have a piece of parting wisdom for the folks listening to help them build bigger, better businesses. Mm, just be yourself. I know that's what your whole show is about, Hayden, which is why I love <laughs> it so much. But that's so, that's just the key. It's like, learn, like, you know, sit with that discomfort and like, it's not, you're uncomfortable because you're not being yourself. Like you, there's something that's in your life that is not like aligned with who you are. And if that's the debt or if it's not being in a business or it's stopping yourself from being an entrepreneur, then, you know, address that and 
start to learn like, well, why do I have those beliefs, right? So just like we discussed today, I think that that's a great parting piece of advice. Mm, love that. Uh, and then the way that I love to close out these shows is with acknowledgements. So Casey, are you open to me acknowledging you? Of course. Cool. Um, yeah, Casey, I think the biggest thing that I want to acknowledge you for is uh, your commitment to service. Like, thanks for just being super committed uh, and focused on serving other people. I think not only in the type of work that you're doing in supporting, you know, these individuals and these human beings that don't have the same capacity to communicate as other people and understanding the, uh, man, just like the innate joy and right it is to be able to communicate and connect with people and how important that is for people. Um, thanks for like building a business around that. Thanks for building a life around that um, and being so committed to serving other people. Um, thanks for being really powerful, like a very powerful human being. And at the same time, like it's so cool because there's this level of like grace and kindness um, that also comes with it. And it's just like a very cool and engaging mixture. So thanks for like sharing yourself and putting that out on loudspeaker. Um, thanks for the whimsy and the levity that you bring. Like it's just been a joy at all the times that we've connected. It's just been a joy to be able to like connect with you. Um, and ultimately just like, thanks for your commitment and courage. You know, you said it earlier. Um, I really just want to acknowledge your unwillingness to quit and your unwillingness to stop like 16 months in paying off almost $80,000 of debt. That's crazy. <laughs> and at the same time, I know that it's just the beginning. Like that's literally just like the first thing on a very long list of really amazing things that, um, that you'll be accomplishing. So um, thanks for being open. Like I said, thanks for your vulnerability and your honesty. Thanks for your authenticity. And thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Hayden. I had so much fun. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.